Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I have always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Today on the show, we have near-death experiencer, Anne Bayford. And Anne died in a horrific car accident where she was hit by a van while outside of her car. And what she saw on the other side will leave you breathless. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Anne Bayford. How are you doing, Anne? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your very interesting life story with us. You know, it's, it's a fascinating story. You've not had only one NDE, but apparently you had multiple, which first question is, what are you doing wrong? You got to stop it. Uh, You're dying way too often in one life. Generally you get the one. (laughs) And if you come back from the one, it's, it's an expert. (laughs) Now you're doing like three, I think at this point. So yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about that and we'll talk about those in a minute. But my first question is, what was your life like before you had your near-death experience? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, right. Let's, where do we begin? Goodness me. Okay, uh, let's have a look. Going back as a child, as a baby, my mum had always said there was something a little bit different about me. So all the way back as a baby, she said the cradle would rock, but no one was in the room. Obviously, I don't remember that at all. Um, and then I remember I can go back as far as when I was wearing nappies. So when I was only a couple of months old, I remember a lot of detail of where we used to live, which I was always told it's impossible you were a baby. Uh, and then I used to always see people walking through walls um, mm. and used to have conversations with animals. As you do, Alex, you don't think that's weird when you're a child. You think it's normal. Well, everything when you're a kid, your surroundings, your circumstances, you believe it's normal because you have no other reference point. So that's if you're in a, an abusive house, that's just, everyone has that. If you're yeah. rich, yeah. you're that. If you're poor, you're yeah. that. If you live yeah. on the ocean, on, yeah. on, a, on a boat, doesn't everybody? Yeah. So it's yeah. very similar to that way. So during your childhood, as you were growing up, and again, as a kid, it does, it's probably like, oh, doesn't everybody see people walking through walls? That's a thing. And hear animals speaking. Obviously, you know, the Dr. Doolittle-esque thing. Yes. But after a certain point, you did have a reference point going, wait a minute. I'm not. So what happened when that reality of the world hit you? Yeah, it's a bit strange when you're the weird child at school and then all the kids start picking on you because you're talking to worms and you're talking to other creatures and you're in the playground and they're all playing different games like Kiss Chase or whatever it was back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I was a child that I'm dyslexic, but I loved reading and uh, I remember going to the library and taking my granny's shopping basket to fill up with books, but I never wanted... I got through the children's books and I remember talking to the librarian, I must have been about nine years old, or even younger, seven, about I wanted uh, to learn more information. I remember I was fixated on the pyramids and everything to do with history um, and I just didn't fit in. I remember I was always on the outside and as I grew up, my mum then started to say to me that people are going to think you're weird and it's just your imagination and I remember her saying that and I felt really odd and I remember... You know, my first pet I bought was a snake and I was the only kid in the area who liked reptiles, whatever. And uh, and I took the snake everywhere and <laughs> I just didn't fit in. I didn't fit in anywhere. I just not the typical the female girl, whatever, whatever child. And then I remember I got to about 15 or 16 and my mum said to me, it was like. I'd had a very she'd been married a couple of times. We'd had very up, funny upbringing. Um, different religion and everything you know dad one dad's italian catholic another dad is a jamaican rastafarian the other dad studied buddhism and we had money one minute and then we were really poor another minute and so it was very strange 
But she said to me that if you're not careful, they're going to lock you up and put you in a mental asylum. And so I then I was like, oh, I've got to keep my mouth shut. Um, and so that was that was difficult because I just thought there must be something wrong with me. And I thought, well, maybe mm. I am sort of making this up. Maybe this is my imagination and I couldn't understand. And so that's what happened. And just as I became an adult, and working I still heard animals speaking and I really thought people I thought people could also hear animals I was watching a program when I was a kid and um, this famous presenter was called Johnny Morris and uh, he used to talk and the animals it was like as if he understood what the animals were saying and I only remember when I became a zookeeper I was so devastated Alex I really thought everyone could hear animals speaking and I was a zookeeper at the time I was about 19 and I remember Johnny Morris came and for me it was like oh my god childhood you know whatever and um, I started talking to him and um I used to look after the big cats and lions and tigers and stuff and I loved it and I remember he was doing a voiceover to something and uh, I said to him can you hear what they're saying and he went oh no, they don't speak at all. And I went, what? Are you Are you saying that you just pretend that you hear them speaking? And he said, nobody hears animals speaking. I said, but I do. And uh, yeah, whatever. So that was- that's And scene, and scene. <laughs> that's the end of that. Then he's like, okay, gotta go. I gotta get some coffee. I, so I'd imagine, you know, psychologically, this must've been really yeah. difficult growing up just- I mean, look, we're all, we all consider, I mean, I consider myself a little odd too. I became a filmmaker when nobody understood what a filmmaker really did. And, you know, I was on the, you know, my parents to arguably still barely understand what I do, uh, <laughs> let alone now that I'm like a podcaster for God's sakes. They're like a what? A pod what? Do you, can you, you surviving? I'm like, it's okay. But so I, I, I'm, I've always been a little bit outside too. I think most people feel outside in a way, but this is a whole other level. You know, you you really. I mean, to be fair, you're walking around with a snake. You're not helping yourself out at all. Uh, I thought that was normal, Alex. I thought that was just, who wanted a bunny rabbit. You know, we had horses back in the day. We had dogs and cats, but they're a bit boring. So yeah, you know. I'm yeah. Quite... So I'm... so when so psychologically, as you continue to you know go into your twenties, um, you know, I mean, I guess dealing in just general relationships must have been difficult, and then also the suppression of it is yeah. you're holding back basically a raging dragon if you will inside of you which i hear yeah. from so many different people when you're trying to be something you're not yeah. it really is difficult to deal with so how did you just process all of this well i i did a bad job as a human i didn't process it very well i mean i literally um there was it's so complicated but there was a period of time that I ended up having loads of miscarriages as well. And I was like, my God, what's going on? And I did end up um, in a psychiatric hospital. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I, I didn't stay there long, uh, but I remember I was sectioned and they said, because you're hearing voices. And I was like, but that's normal. Now, if we say someone's hearing the voices, they're probably psychic or they're a medium or whatever it is, or they're a channeler. <laughs> we, we accept it's normal now. Thank God. But back in the day, because I'm 54, but back in the day, it was like, I, you know, I always remember talking to the doctor and this is how I was feeling. And, and I was trying to make sense of my world. And you know, being a child, I had loads of money, we had no money and so much was going on. And I didn't know anybody else that had gone through what I'd gone through. And so I thought, well, OK, I am abnormal. So I remember being in this psychiatric unit. <laughs> this, this might make me laugh, might not. And I sat and I was like. I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, how the hell am I going to get out of here? Because this is not, I don't feel like I'm crazy, but I'm around all these people that are crazy. And uh, I was like, you know, that film, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So it, I, I just was like, and that um, motel thing with Jack Nicholson where he hacks through shining, the, the shine. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh my God. So I remember sitting there saying to myself, how am I going to get out of here? And then I heard this message. They said, and this was external. So when I teach this to my to my students, they said it's external, so not in my head. They said, pretend you don't hear us. And I just like, oh, okay. So I remember when I had to see the doctor when I was there for a short time, and I said, I'm fine, I'm good. I just had a, a an episode of stress. I'm fine, I'm back to normal now. And that's the only way to get out. But for all those experiences of being around other people that had literally gone through similar to myself 
I ended up later becoming a counsellor and I trained as a counsellor in CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, so every tragedy, every drama that had ever happened to me from my childhood or my adulthood, I started uh, training because I knew then that, okay, there must be, because I always felt as a child, there's a purpose, there's a reason why I'm here. And it was bugging me. I never knew why or what I was meant to do. And this is why I find in clients now who come to me or star seeds or people who are hearing voices and they can't make sense of it or, or people who've gone through lots of trauma. You know, I survived it all. And I said, you can survive it too. And if I can survive living my childhood, you can do with all the abuse and everything that happened. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And so I then decided then I'm going to become a counsellor. And I did. I became a counsellor and therapist to help those who had gone through something similar to myself. So that's how I survived it. And then as I moved on, you know, through the accidents, I was disabled for a while as well. So it sort of, it seemed to be, um, I laugh now, it's a bit like it was my school of life. I needed to go through everything I went through to bring me to this point where I am right now so that I can understand others. You know, like the work I do, I can be talking to role members of family, VIPs, to people who are homeless poverty stricken it doesn't matter because I've lived certain parts of my life that I can resonate with them I can connect with them so it's been a bit of a journey Alex but I'm not ready to go <laughs> I keep bouncing back but, and you know what that's all we could do is we could just continue to take these struggles and you know challenges as ways to grow that's how you grow you have to ch- yeah. be challenged and you yeah. have to go through stuff to grow and we Nobody, first of all, nobody gets out of this alive. You're living proof of this. Um, <laughs> none of us are getting out of this alive. Uh, but secondly, <laughs> there's nobody walking the earth that doesn't have a struggle, who doesn't have some conflict. Who, that's what this entire this entire thing is built as a school to, yes. for us to go through all of it. Yeah. It's, it's a program. Earth. Yes. yes. It's, 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 it's PhD level. PhD yeah. level, no less, by the way. <laughs> this is not elementary school or kindergarten. But this that, is, yeah. But the thing is, I, I always find, like talking to my clients that I have now and even looking at myself, it's through those darkest moments. It's learning how to uh, not struggle for it, but it's learning to know that you will get through this. Yeah. But you have to be present in the moment to fully absorb it. Those who keep just putting it to one side and like ignoring it, or, I mean, and there are those who are not awoken to it or, those who are, you know, I mean, I don't know one person who hasn't got a problem, but then I'm a counsellor and therapist and a psychic medium, so I'm going to meet those people, right? <laughs> but honestly, there is nobody that's not going through something in life. But what I do is I help them to turn it around to see that this is your soul growth. This is where you're growing. This right. is where things are transforming and you're transcending what has happened to you and just, you know, hold on in there that you can get through this and that's I know that's my purpose and that's what I do with my clients every day is you are here for a reason and a purpose and whatever you learn whatever your experience is that you're we're here to help everyone else out it's not just about you know just going doing it for yourself and I'm out of here and you know I'm fine it's about helping everybody else we're all here to help humanity every one of us preach girl preach uh <laughs> All right. I got my box <laughs> I would love it. It's wonderful. So let's go to that night or the day that uh, you had your near death experience. Tell me what happened to that the day leading up to that or the night leading up to that. Yeah, okay. So uh okay. Um right. So I had two children. Oh, I still got two children. What am I saying? They're adults. <laughs> they're adults now. They're like 27, 29. It's like they're, you know, they're your children forever, but you know, it's now they sure. tell me what to do, so it's a bit different. But at the time they were seven and five and I, it's just like, it's like all of us, you know, when we're rushing the nine to five job, you've got to pay bills and things are going on in your relationship, you're unhappy and, you know, there's so much going on and you just feel torn and pulled in different directions. And I remember that morning that I was rushing to get the children ready for school and I had to go to work because obviously I had to make ends meet and pay the bills and everything. And it's like all of us, you then get caught up in the, detail of like you you think that you think that time's always promised you always think that you're always guaranteed the next breath yeah and you just think you'll put things off or you think you do things later and if I'd known that was that day when 
the day before that I would never or wouldn't be able to put my son to bed or my daughter to bed for about four years because I couldn't walk then I would have done things differently so the night before the accident he's got a bunk bed my son and my daughter had her bedroom and I go up and I read them a story and I think even the night before I was upset about my job and I don't think I was fully present in the moment when I was reading them those stories which pains me even today that experience that emotion I still hold and then the day that it happened I was rushing them getting them into the car and I got them to school so they're five and seven years old and I remember I did kiss them on the forehead but I was in a rush so I didn't fully embody that I wasn't in that emotion I was rushing so you know my lips were just kissing their forehead bye bye gotta go see you later and that was it and diving off so I wasn't fully in that emotion I wasn't that eye contact with them I didn't hold them or anything and that really pains me today and I remember I was rushing I got on the train and they were at school and we always think as I say it's a given and I worked on a project in London where it was for the elderly befriending scheme and my job I built the project the charity and about getting volunteers for uh, to go out to the elderly to read their newspapers for them or whatever. So I loved the work that I was doing back then. I coordinated it and I would go out to visit elderly. And I remember on that day that um, I had to write a letter to social services about a particular client. I was really worried about her that no one was visiting her as like pockets of society, some areas that used to be run down. They, they become sort of gentrified and then the family, extended family has to move out because they can't afford to live in that area anymore. And this is what's happening in this part of London. And I remember that day very clearly. I think it was around like two-ish and I thought, okay, I have to get this, um, not email, but it was it had a letter in an envelope. And I remember that I was thinking, okay, I've got to leave now. I'm in a rush. I've got to post this letter and I've got to pick the kids up. You know, like we do, we always rush ahead in our thoughts. And I remember when I left the community centre, there was a one o'clock club and all the elderly was like, bye, Anne, and see you tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, bye. And I walked out of the office and I was walking down the road and my head was like, okay, now, 100 miles per hour, I was thinking, okay, do I just go get the train or do I cross the road? Do I post the letter? Do I go get a, um, a newspaper to read on the train? What's the time? It was, <laughs> my head was everywhere, you know? I'm, ex I'm exhausted just listening. I could only <laughs> imagine how you felt. Continue. <laughs> working mom, you know, what can I say? Or working parent, you know, men do this yeah. too. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. So there you are. And then, you know, you're thinking about washing up and you're thinking about your, for dinner and you know when it's sure. like you get caught up. And I wasn't being in the present moment. And I remember I got to the zebra crossing, the pedestrian crossing in the UK, in London, busy central, uh, it was the Essex Road in Islington, it's a part of London. I remember getting there and I thought, oh, okay, someone had pressed the button. And I thought, well, if they press the button to say, okay, then it's going to go green, man, and you can cross it, I'll do this note. Made my mind up, I'm going to do this. So I was like, okay, walking across, it was a middle island. And I remember that there were some people by the side of me, behind me. I think it was about five of us in total. And then I hadn't been practicing meditation at that time. I hadn't really been connecting to my guides. I'd been hearing information. Didn't even realize we had guides, but I just thought somebody was always there to look after me, like my nan who died when I was younger. And at the time when I was standing on this crossing in the middle of the road, I heard my nan's voice. Now, she looked after me until I was 15 because I was taken out of my home environment. She looked after me because there's difficult times at home. So I was 37 or something like that at the time. And I heard her voice and everything's going to be okay. And I was like, what, what? what's going on? You know? And uh, I remember thinking, look, I got across the road. Shall I post the letter or buy the newspaper? If I post the letter, it means I walk straight across the road. If I buy the newspaper, I've got to go at an angle, whatever. So there was this was going in my head and I still could hear her. And that was it. The human, that was it. I didn't hear or see anything. That was it. What happened was something happened. She said, buy the newspaper. Now, because she had said, go get the newspaper, I changed direction slightly. I was at an angle. So I was off to my right. And luckily I had crossed the road at a right angle and didn't go straight across. Later, the police said if I'd gone straight across, my head would have gone through the windscreen of this van. Um, there was no coming back. I mean, it would have been severed off. I mean, knowing me, I would have put the head under my arm. I said, I'm ready. Let's get on with it. Get back to life. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> right. But it didn't happen that way, right? So 
on the crossing. I crossed at the right angle. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And the, the van had hit me on my left-hand side. I didn't feel it at all. I didn't feel anything. When she said, everything's going to be okay, go get the newspaper, that was it. And that must have been when the van had impacted me on my left-hand side. And I bounced. It threw me across the ground. I, I don't know, about 30 feet or whatever it was. And I bounced off the ground. And then I had broken. I fractured my pelvis. I had broken my knee. I torn the cartilage in my knee. I had seven breaks in my foot. Um, I'd ripped my ankle. The Achilles was damaged. I had operations on that. My kidneys were damaged. They were bleeding internally. My spleen was damaged. My kidneys were bleeding. Um, My ribs on both sides were fractured. But I didn't hit my head. That was good. (laughs) And But I was out. I was just out. And um, I didn't know that had happened to me. I didn't know what had happened. And all I know is the next minute I was aware was that I was looking down at something but I didn't know it was my body. I was looking down and I could see and feel everybody's emotions, all their energy. I could feel it all. And I could see that they were worried and panicking. And there was a lady that had owned a hairdresser's on the other side of the road. And she came running out and I could hear her saying, I've got a towel, I've got a towel, I'm going to put it under her neck. And people go, no, don't touch her. And then I recognized there was a family member there had seen he'd come out of the post office and he'd seen me on the ground and he his face color had just changed from being pink and fleshy to white and I remember him or whitey gray and he was just looking there in shock and then he called my partner who was working up the road and uh, then I also remember I was sitting in this um because it stuck it stopped all the traffic in the road as you can imagine the silly woman had got knocked down how dare she this is what mm-hmm. I was hearing from this this guy he was in his truck big lorry he was talking to his boss and he was running late. You know, then he's talking about there was something on the radio, the Capital Radio, which was the radio station in London at the time. So they were going to, uh, uh, the whole road had been closed off. They were going to airlift this person who'd been a road traffic accident. I could hear sirens in the background. This guy was talking about me as so I was in his cab of his lorry at one moment. Then I was hovering above this body and wow. being in their energy. Um, at no point did I feel any pain at all. And then while all this was going on, I remember I felt that I just, I felt this light around me, this white light, and I felt very warm, because this was in March 2002, 11th of March, and it was quite cold in the UK then, but I felt warm, and I had no pain, (laughs) and for me, it felt as if I was in sort of like a circular library, and Mm -hmm. It's familiar because I do Akashic readings now and I do my trance work and I work with Galactic Council and the, the, it's familiar to me of what I witnessed at that time, which I didn't know like 20 years later I was going to end up doing this work. And I remember being there and I remember there were cor- like, like long corridors or long passages where there was loads of books and scrolls. It, it was like what my... Okay, thank you, I just heard. Sorry, they just came in. It was a bit like... Um, what felt safe for my brain to handle so they showed me this the books and stuff and I remember the books as it's been opened I remember I had a guide I didn't know it was called a guide at the time but the work I do now my guide was standing by my side and um, sort of as the book opened it was like magical there was like things coming out of it and showing me my my life my journey of my soul um, scrolls being pulled out and I was it was like this large blueprint of like not paper but this I don't know something that pulled out that like I think they said it was the like an architect of my life so it was the blueprint of where I've come from I can't think you sorry I'm they're here as well so into coming just in. pretend they're not there just pretend they're not there like they said before just pretend you're not okay. here if I pretend they're not there but just, <laughs> right hey give me a nudge but they 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 know I'm a bit nervous, so they're prompting me. So it was like a scroll, like a br- blueprint of my soul, of the journey I'd been on, and they were showing me some past life stuff too. And I ended up becoming a past life practitioner now, learning about that. 
I understand now that our souls on a recycle button, you know, like a washing machine keeps going round and round, they just said. And it's about our soul mission that each lifetime we're here, it's for us uh, to look at the lessons of why we've come here, who we're meant to meet, and why they trigger off certain things in our lifetime. So I remember being there in this light, and I also remember feeling my, my nan was there as well. Now, I've not really mentioned this before, but I remember feeling that there were angels there as well, because um, I knew they were there protecting me, and archangels and stuff that are there. I obviously wasn't meant to die. They was meant to come in to protect me, that mm -hmm. I was here for a great purpose, a great mission. And I remember feeling that everything I'd ever been through or the work that I'd done, all the work that I'd done, that it was meant to help me to become the person that I'm becoming now and the person I'm going to be in the future. And they said, not that there is such thing as past, present and future. It's what the human likes to see as past, present and future. Oh, they said, they like you, Alex, you understand this. It's all about <laughs> the dimensions. Yes, they said, okay. Uh, so you understand. Oh, they like that. They, they, they've seen your work. Well, oh, I haven't, sorry. They have. Oh, I love this. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, good. <laughs> They like you, Alex. So um, he has an understanding of the dimensions and time and space. He he totally understands. Like, okay, fine. So yeah. So on that day, I was showing all this information, and I could feel into everything, feel into all the energy. It became very powerful and very strong. But I remember looking down, and I didn't even realize it was me, Alex. I didn't know that I died. I didn't know what I was experiencing was what I was experiencing. I had no idea at all. And I just remember looking down at this, what was going on. And I was, it was, it was always almost like that film Scrooge, where he looks and this Scrooge is taken to different parts of his lifetime about, it's a Victorian Dickens, it's a so, Dickens. But, but is what? this more life review? It's not a life yeah. review. No, well, where I was in the Akashic Records, it was like a life review as where I've been from, what has happened to me through my life, I'd had, gone through we'd had domestic violence in our life um mm. and there was abuse as well and i disowned out certain times when i'd had the abuse and i didn't realize actually they were always there but i didn't realize if i if and this is what i want to help people with that if you know that you have guides if you know that you know there there is something there to help you it would be easier for individuals to go through what you go for in life you know i was disabled four years afterwards learning how to re-walk you know and what I'd gone through if I'd you know I, I did start reaching out then I started meditating during trying to get better after the accident but if we are brought up with that knowledge that there is something more than what we see it's not just what we see is in our 3d world I'm sure we would manage our existence a lot easier a lot better so they will show me everything but I only found out that was me when my partner my ex-partner had ran down the road touched my head and the first thing he thought of, which was really annoying, he, he thought, how am I going to look after Rebecca and Nathan? Not, oh, she's dead. It was like, how am I going to look after Rebecca? It's all about me. It's all about yeah. me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is a narcissist anyway, so I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I've done the therapy on that. I should let that go. <laughs> That's amazing. It taught me well. <laughs> um, That's my human life experience. And uh yeah, it was then him stroking my head and hearing that, I was like, wow. And then literally I heard the ambulances come in and uh, they had cut my clothes and they had paddled my chest with electric. You see, you're seeing all this. You're seeing all yeah, this. Yeah, I, hadn't, I didn't feel it at first. I was seeing all this happening. I saw the paramedic, the bike arrive. Mm -hmm. I could see that from where I was. I was being shown that. I was being shown the ambulance but I didn't feel anything at all. It was only when they paddled my chest, the electric, my heart sort of jumped back, but then I felt so much pain. Now, the process of me not feeling that in my body, I was still shown and told so much information, so much. I I was happy to be where I was. I, I, felt, I felt I belonged. I didn't feel abnormal or crazy like I did in the 3D world. I felt I wanted to stay there, but I was being told constantly, you have a mission, you have to go back. I was constantly told this, I didn't want to go back. And then when I came back into my body, it was like, you know, the water slide that you get at theme park. It felt like I was whooshing all the way round and down and I landed back in my body and then I felt the pain. I was screaming in pain. And the, from the ambulance taking me to the hospital, 
I literally lost consciousness. I was in and out and I could see the top of the ambulance. I saw when I was taken to the crash team, had three sets of teams working on me. Um, you know, the, the, and if I was fully there, I'd be going, oh my God, they're cutting my bra off. I'm naked at this point. Mm -hmm. I would have been embarrassed, you know, the normal human thing, right? But I was above my body looking down and I was like, I could feel the tension. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So you were kind of in between states because you, it, it seemed like you had one foot in, one foot out. Because yeah, you get, you got thrown back in, you got thrown back into your body. But yet when the, all that stuff was going on, you were still kind of above your body. So you it was an out both. of body. It was an out of body experience. So, <clears> I, you know, the heart was still going, but it was like an out of body experience at that point. So I could look right. down at the team and then I could feel into all the team members what they were feeling. They were anxious. They were like, they thought that they were going to lose me. So mm. the whole of my body was scanned and there were so many breakages. And at one point, the spleen, I mean, 40 miles per hour was quite fast to hit the body. So the organs were still moving about. So they had to wait until you know, the organ had settled down and they couldn't go in to fix anything. It was just literally battered and bruised. Um, and so they cut everything off. And then I was taken to intensive care, I was there for some time. And I remember the nurse who looked after me, she said, there were moments she said I could see your hand squeezing and I said where's my nan and she said there's nobody here and my nan who died when I was 15 in spirit form she was by my side the whole time so mm -hmm. yeah it was a good experience Alex it was it, it sounds fantastic it sounds it wonderful yeah. I mean part of the story sounds fantastic the other one uh, not so much but it it all depends on how you look at it it's all about exactly. perspective it's all about perspectives. Now, you did mention a little bit about past lives. Did you get access to any of your past lives? And if you yes. did, how did they, how did those, are any of those past lives affecting this current life? Yes, 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 yes. So um, I was shown a past life where the partner that I, because I, I I don't do numerology, but I've got a numerology practitioner I work with. And it was funny, my past, uh, my ex-partner, um, he's a number eight. And there was something about our balance with money and stuff like that. Now, in my lifetime, he was very tight with money, very tight with money. And it was controlling. So he used that to control me. And in a way that... I felt that I couldn't achieve anything. So it was one of those people that, oh, no, you better not drive on the motorway. There'll be an accident or no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. So in a way, I doubted everything that I ever did. Now, in a past life, it's interesting. So I do this as a past life practitioner now, but we, we come in soul pods and each the soul pod, your family unit. So they play certain roles in your soul development. I just heard that. So soul development. So they can be many different shapes and forms in any lifetime. So, you know, whether you come back as a male or female makes no difference at all. It's all about your soul. It's not about your gender at all. And where in one lifetime you could have your mother as your daughter or your whatever brother or sister or whatever. So in my past life, what happened is my ex-partner that was in this 3D world um, was comes back from like the Victorian times where um, he would be somebody that I was a child. I was a chimney sweep. I was a little boy and I was, oh, okay. Thank you. They just remind me. Sorry. I was a little boy forced to go up the chimneys and then I would give him the money that I would earn. And in that lifetime, my children that are here now, they were my brother and sister in their previous lifetime. Now, the reason oh, this is important because later on in life, like this lifetime, I saw Dr. Brian Wise for a past life uh, session with him. So he wrote Many Lives, Many Masters, Dr. Brian Wise. And then I ended up training with him, which was very strange. It was about another 10 years later. And in he, I'd had something with my lungs in this lifetime, this 3D life of this, what we call 3D life. I had a problem with my lungs and it wasn't asthma and, they, and the hospitals couldn't work out what was going on with my lungs and they'd x-rayed and scanned my lungs and I've got my lungs are pretty damaged so I've, I've been labeled a condition and they said oh you'll never you know you get to a certain stage this was 10 years ago you'll be on the oxygen you can't breathe you can't go out you can't do this you can't do that and they labeled me as being disabled and so my my mind sort of like oh I'm disabled I've got this lung condition so every time I woke up in the morning I say I've got this condition 
and then I can't move, I can't get out and about. That would made me interested because they had said to me, you only have this condition if you have smoked a thousand cigarettes a day for the last 20, 30 years. And I'd never smoked in my life at all. So I went to see different practitioners, different consultants, looked down the medical field. There was, didn't, they didn't understand how this had happened. And I was pretty ill. That's when I had my second uh, near-death experience. My lung had collapsed. So I saw Dr. Brian Wise because I thought this is coming from somewhere. You know, why is this happening? And during the performance on this weekend workshop he did in London, it came up that I was a chimney sweep and I was like, what? And through being a chimney sweep back in the day, I had um, breathed in all the soot and it had damaged my lungs. So that's what I find as a past life practitioner. Some people who come to me, they have got ongoing medical conditions or they've got a trauma that keeps playing out. We look at it and sometimes it's just literally a past life. And when you acknowledge that, it's like, it's almost not dissolves but it becomes part of you and you accept it and like now I should be on auction I'm not because I thought this is never it's not going to affect me I had two years I was at home with agoraphobia I wouldn't leave my house because I was scared my lung was going to collapse again but I worked through it and I was like no I was watching Dr Bruce Lipton uh Greg Braden uh, um, Joe Dispenza I was looking at their work and it helped me to understand but when I understood that my ex was part of my past life experience I started to understand my journey. It was all about money and becoming financially independent. It was believing in myself moving forward. And now I'm quite successful in the work that I do because I help other people unravel that. And so now, you know, building other businesses that I do, I moved away from that relationship. I realized that was the role that he played in that lifetime. So when we meet someone who's abusive or toxic, we have to look deeper at it because it's shown us a lesson to teach us to move forward, actually, that you can actually make your way out of this and move forward and live your own life. You learn from that experience. Now, you did mention you had two other near-death experiences. Not going yes. into like a tremendous amount of detail. Did anything happen on the other side that you would like to share? Yeah, I mean, the second one was my lung collapsed and then I met an archangel and I didn't believe in angels at all. So this was the weirdest thing ever. I, I remember in the bedroom and I sat there and I was feeling very well. I couldn't breathe. My lung collapsed. My daughter heard a thump. Uh, she came running upstairs. She didn't see it, but I could. I turned to the side. I was so scared. And there was this 30 foot uh, being of some sort and it was a, a shape of an angel. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I remember them saying that you can breathe, breathe into the rest of your body. So they were teaching me not only to breathe into my lungs, but my body could breathe too. It was a different way of breathing. And I remember that saved me. I was taken to hospital. And I remember then there was just seeing more of the Akashic records being shown around. And then I was introduced then to Archangel Metrodon, where now I do work with Archangel Metrodon. So it was all these experiences sort of like preparation, like introducing me to them. I mean, they could have thought of an easier way of introducing me to Archangel Metrodon, right? But it was all about I've, I, I, I've spoken to many channels who didn't die. So maybe you're <laughs> special that way. I don't know. Or just lucky. And then the third time I was in an operating theatre, I had an operation and my heart stopped. And I remember going into theatre, it was all blue room. And then when during the experience, I then was in a white room. And I remember the guy saying to me, he was dressed like a dentist, because I remember his haircut was really weird. It was straight across here in these glasses. And he kept on turning around and looking at me. He goes, I know I'm telling her. And he said to me, go back. You've been told before, you haven't done what you needed to do. And I felt like a five-year-old that was being told off. And when I came back, I remember these bells were going off in the operating theatre and this anaesthetist was leaning over and they say, she's back, she's back. And I think that was, I don't know, it was, I don't know, it was about six minutes I died or something, they couldn't resuscitate my heart, but I was back in the room again. So, yeah. <laughs> no and that didn't sweat. happen long ago? And that what didn't happen long ago? That one was, let me have a look, that was 2018. Oh, so what, you did, did you just say that you, had, you told me off air that you, there was another thing that happened to you? Like, yeah, a year ago. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and you're amazing. You're amazing. And I love your energy. Go ahead. <laughs> so last year, January 2022, I was going through a difficult time. Uh, life was, you know, as it is that we do humans, things are going on, stress and everything else. Mm -hmm. And it was lucky my daughter had come back to the UK. She was living with me just for a short time for a few days. And I remember the day before I was exhausted. I felt really tired and drained. 
And I remember in the evening, it was, well, it was in the morning, it was two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> Valentine's Day. It was brilliant. <laughs> Never forget that one. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And um, I remember I had to open the door because I felt that I was going to be sick. I felt this overfilling that I'm going to be sick. So I opened the door and then I remember as I came out of my bedroom, I sort of crashed, banged into the wall. And then I don't remember anything at all. Then next minute, I know my daughter, I, she was, she had pulled me into recovery position. So what happened was I'd had an epileptic seizure, the first I've ever had in my life. And I'd lived in the 1930s house in London and so there was a lot of stairs um, and I'd waxed the back of my neck and so I broke my neck. So I broke my neck, I had this brain bleed, she put me into recovery position um, and then I had a stroke. So for 14 weeks I couldn't uh, talk. Um, I had, When I came back from it I was, I had to, I was stuttering, I couldn't walk. Um, yeah, so it was major and I couldn't feed myself, my children, my adult children had to come home to look after me. Um, I saw a consultant, they did the brain scans and they said on this side there'd been a, a brain bleed and now they labelled me as being epileptic. I had to see the consultant, the uh, January that's just gone and they had a little look and uh, she said, I don't know what you've done, but it does not look like you've had a mini stroke. But I'd taken lion's mane, I'd started learning Italian, I started roller skating again, and I roller skate now, and got back to my yoga, did my deep meditation, asked for healing, and uh, she's sure, a professor, sure, sure, sure. and she can't believe how I've recovered, but hey. Well, you didn't have a near-death experience in that situation. No, I mean, what happened was I was told that, in a way they were rewiring my brain. So it became more suitable for more channeling that I do. Cause I channel now like beans and I work sure. with the galactic council. So I, they sort of had to equip part of me to help me to understand uh, what was going on. It's very interesting from my experience with channels is that the nervous system has to be prepared to handle yeah. that energy that comes through. I've heard of the rewiring of the brain to be able to, pro it's like the computer has to kind of insert some new chips or rewiring has exactly. to happen in order for you to even deal with what comes in because it could pop pop a circuit. Yeah, and I think it popped a circuit to some degree because I was channeling like crazy and Galactic Council and everything else. And just, yeah, so I needed to take some time out. So when, when you came back from your first near-death experience, did you uh, did you keep it quiet? Did you stay kind of in the near death experience closet? Uh, yeah. How did people how did people around you kind of deal with this new version of you? Because you did come back different. Uh, yeah. you, and by the way, you believed everything, right? The, you didn't think yeah. you were going nuts. No. You understood it at a very deep yeah. level. So yeah. you were blessed with that. So you yeah. understood it, but you didn't know how to tell your kids, your your partner, any of that stuff. How did that work? And how did you it deal with it? It was really hard because I remember I was in a wheelchair for two years and then I had to learn to re-walk for another two years with a walking stick. And I remember I was at, I used to go to church and now having the family had come from, you know, Italian Catholic stepdad and, you know, and my partner was Jewish and children gone to a church of England school. I knew bits and pieces about religion. I'd read the Bible. I went to Bible classes. I was at a church, but what I'd learned from religion, it wasn't answering all my questions. And then I remember I went to see the minister of my church. I was in my wheelchair at the time and I told him what I'd experienced. And he said to me, we don't believe in that. And I said, right. but then you're calling me a liar. And he said, we don't believe in that. He's, he's a doctor originally. He said, we believe it's the brain. And I said, you know, it's funny that when I was um, a counsellor, I believed in science and I believed also that the brain kicks in somehow. And I said, but I can't explain to you that I know certain things are going to happen. I saw the Twin Towers before they, they ended up having that terrorist attack. I saw the uh, what we had gone on the planet the last two years with the vaccine and the, you know, it, it was shown to me as an apocalypse. I work with many people around the world. I, you know, I, I work on murder cases with the police. I, I find kidnapped people. I, uh, I work on cold cases and what, how people were murdered. How do, how can I see that if this is unreal? If this is not true, how do I know something about a complete stranger when I've never met them before? 
so it was difficult and that I went through I was labeled with post-traumatic stress and I had depression for a couple of years and it was only literally through people like yourself that brought this to light that I started not yourself sorry Alex but other people that I'd met at that particular time sure. we're going back you're too young Alex you see you're so young you wasn't doing it back then I was listening to others <laughs> and they started mentioning it on YouTube and I started I felt I know it was Anita Manjali I read her book and I oh. saw her interview and I was like yeah. oh my god that's what happened to me and now it's making sense and yeah. so then yeah, yeah it, it, it my life was like wow and uh, maybe this is what I meant to do is to spread this word so people don't feel isolated and that they don't have to join you know a religion to connect they can like whatever feels right for them spiritually and soulful yeah so you're you're when you came back you you had a it seems like you were always psychic or had some sort of abilities yeah metaphysical abilities prior you came yes. you came prepackaged like that from the factory as i like to call it yeah. uh you, you had some elements of it. right you didn't know yeah the instructions you this is very very difficult if you you lose those it's it's rough uh <laughs> so but then after this near-death experience it seems like things became heightened a bit and you started yes. to come back with some after effects is that fair that's correct yeah and i literally I, I needed to understand myself more and I became interested in healing because I remember some of the experiences I was going through. So I became a Reiki master and I learned that. And then I remember the day when I was working with my tutor and I said, oh, that organ's telling me something about what's going on in that person's body. And she said to me, that's not Reiki, Anne. And I went, oh, I can feel someone here. And she said, you're a medium. You need to go to the College of Psychic Studies. So that's when I went to the famous well-renowned College of Psychic Studies um, who had loads of consultants there and teachers to help me to understand it more. So please explain for the layman what the College of Psychic Studies is, because it sounds like Hogwarts to me. It was. So I just, I just want everybody to understand what this place is and, and the kind of history it has. Yeah, so it's been around for over 100 years now. And it was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who wrote all the Sherlock Holmes books. He uh, is one of the co-founders. And there's some Americans as well. can't remember any of them at the moment. Edmund something or other, Edward. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was also one of the co-founders from America. And it was there was a famous woman at some point, she was a psychic medium that had received information about her own son that he had died. And the I remember the Home Office or something to do with the war at that time thought that she was a spy because she knew already that the submarine had been sunk. It wasn't. It was because of as a psychic medium or her mm. gift that she was already aware of it. So it goes back a long, long time where it was a place where psychic mediums could go to feel safe, like the lighthouse in a storm, really, where it went from entertainment to like, this is serious stuff that we can pass on information to others that help you to feel connected that your loved one has gone somewhere else. Like what I do now with when people come to see me, if I have an auntie, an uncle or, or a mother or father on the other side, or even their dog or cat or horse, it comes forward. And so that they then know that they're safe on the other side, they're okay. Cause sometimes people worry about that transitional stage or mm -hmm. there's something they didn't say to them before they left, or, you know, did I do the right thing? So at the college, it helps teach you, train you up uh, to be a psychic medium if you want to. Um, and it helps you. And then they there's, um, yeah, so that they help. That was my place where I learned more. And then I, I'm now a consultant there as a psychic medium. Um, and that's what I do now, you know, even through my own platform, I help others to understand. Because to be honest, Alex, why would anyone want to become a psychic medium, to be honest? Yeah, it's not like right. it's not like you're rolling around in in cash. First of all, secondly, it's not like you're a rock star, uh, yeah. so you're not like people aren't going to look at you going, "Wow." Some do. Others are like, "Are you serious?" Yeah. Uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I think it's more important, like now, what I do with people is more important about teaching people to be intuitive so that they can help themselves. So, right. like now, what I do, like through my own platform, is teach people to become more intuitive so that it helps them to understand their journey of who they are so they can work with it they can have their guides and say oh should I do that or connect to the higher self so it's more now that I look at 
the soul wisdom and teach people through my new platform about connecting to their soul progression and helping them to understand who they are and what's their journey. What is the biggest takeaway you got from your first, your most impactful near-death experience, but from all of them in general? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. It made me see life really differently. It made me think that before it was seeing is believing. Now it's believing you shall see. Okay. And Mm. now I feel more connected as one with the universe. So I know there's more to this. I know now it's not necessarily about individuals religions is that if that's how you connect that's absolutely brilliant if you connect with whatever religion is absolutely fine it's more about that spiritual soul message internally within you and it's non-judgmental and it's is it's like there's this endless boundless knowledge out there that I've always had this thirst for learning so much and this is about us learning and getting as much out of this as we can. And it's about us being present in the moment to absorb everything as we can, any particular moment, enjoy your life as it is now. And if it's hard, it just means you're learning something for it. It's one of those lessons, it's soul growth and you'll get through it. You will get through it. Yeah. Now you say, now you say you're, you've been talking about some, uh, the other side talking to you while we've been in this conversation that they know my work, tell them, thank you for being fans. Uh, and what it's so you're essentially a trans channel. Uh, now channels are multiple different ways and uh, multiple different ways people connect to the other side. Some just do it like, hold on a second, yes, like you kind of were doing now. Others go like Edgar Casey style, completely in. What is your style of channeling? I have selection, so it just depends. So I've got my guides here that, or when I'm doing this work, I already ask them to come in, so I hear them. They show me visuals as well, and they work with my dictionary of language that I have. So that's what they would do. Uh, so those are guides. Those are masters that have been here, uh, okay, thank you, many times before. So they are working with my soul and help. Okay, thank you. Their thing is about humanity to be here, to help humanity to transcend, to move forward. So they will work for me like this. And then there's other times when I go deeper, uh, the eyes close, and then I have different masters that step forward. And then they come forward for answers to questions. <laughs> they like you. You've done this before. <laughs> they know where you're going. <laughs> so no do difference. you? So when you do do a trance, like when you're completely out, like you close your eyes and everything, are you still here, or do you like step away? Do you sit in the back seat? Do you remember? I never remember. Even if I'm, even when I've got my eyes open and I'm having sessions with my clients, their guides, their guides, my guides communicate. Akashic records all communicate. I never remember the information because it's for them. It's not for me. Can you imagine if Anne had to restore all the information? She would explode. She could not <laughs> handle it. She would have another brain bleed. It wouldn't make so much sense. And then there's other times that when she zones out and we are allowed to come forward, there are many of us as one. She would not be able to manage this. So all as one, we need to come in. So she needs to then close down she hears the information she does not retain the information but she always has an essence of the information there it's not for her to hold hold on to the information it's just for her to be the pure channel so you we we lost you and there for a second so you they came in they completely because i kept hearing them say she i'm like wait are we they just came in yeah, they do. Because I give it's not that I'm possessed. It's not because some people are like, oh. no, no, I know, I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know this, but some people like would like get freaked out, freaked out by it. But it's like literally, I've asked them to be here present to help me through this in case I needed some assistance. And so they're here. But yeah, I'm sort of in the background. I sort of, I thank you. They sort of like, um, like a catonic state you just sort of stay still so it's like in a cocoon chrysalis i stay there and Mm -hmm. i just wait for them when they need me to come back and they know how to do that i mean and like you were saying who would want to be a psychic medium and and we say that with all the love in the world but it's taxing it's difficult it's something that if what you say is true which i believe it is but if others was listen you've got people kind of talking to you um, and you're a medium as well, so you could actually connect with other 
loved uh, past loved ones and past loved ones as well. I mean, you, you've got, a, you've got all of it going on, girl. Like you do a lot of different things. It's gotta be taxing physically, mentally, and psychologically. I mean, I'm assuming you've grasped this a bit more nowadays, but still it, it has to wear on you, does not? I can't wait for the weekends when I take my days off and I have fun. <laughs> no, I love what I do. Do you know what the best thrill for me, Alex, is when I have, working as a psychic medium, I have a loved one that steps in and they've had to pass a message on because they're so concerned about their loved one here. That for me, I sit here, sometimes I want to cry because it's so beautiful they pass that message. You know, we're having mm. a, a lady that comes to me and she's had a, a miscarriage or she's uh, lost her baby and everything. For me, I'm of service to her. I see myself of service to her. Now, that is different. I enjoy that. As a psychic, when people come to me, and I might sound horrible when I say this, it, as a psychic, if someone says to me, well, I want to know what the lottery numbers are. Well, you yeah, ain't yeah. getting them because who's to say that you're supposed to win the lottery in this lifetime? You're probably not. I, I hate telling the fortune. I'm not a fortune teller. There's no way. It's more the mediumship of passing loved ones on. But something that's changed recently, which is very weird and wacky, which is quite new for me, is loved ones that are on the other side with the loved ones sitting opposite me where they're having physical contact and pleasure. What does that mean? Oh, when they're actually physically having sex with their loved one that's living here and they're on the other side. Interesting. So <laughs> I proved it. Very ghost, very ghost style, like from yeah, the movie like ghost. like ghosts, like a Whoopi Goldberg moment. But literally, they have have pleasure between the two of them, and they're on the other side. And I didn't think it was possible. I've had about 12 clients recently around the world that have come to me. They found me and they've like, do you know anything about my husband? And then the husband's showing me certain things on the other side. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I don't get embarrassed. I sort of say what I'm being shown. And then that person sits around and says, oh, yes, that's what happened last night. It's true. It's brilliant. I love it. Uh, it just goes to show different dimensions and time and space make no difference at all. And you're, you're, you are living a heck of a life, my dear. I have to tell you, you're living a heck of a life. Going, I, I need mean, to write a book about you, I think. I think oh, there's book. no question. There has to be a book. Um, while we have your guides here, is there anything that they want to come through and tell the audience in whichever facet about the world, about things, messages that would help people? Okay, thank you. Okay, let's have a little look. We like you, Alex, because of the information that you put out. You're helping humanity to understand themselves much better. It's for them to tune in more to how they're feeling to be present. They have to be aware of their soul journey. Many people are moving too fast through the world and not actually connecting to what's happening to them right now. We are always here and observing your planet. We are always watching and are concerned sometimes for your planet. We sense there is a great fear on the planet at some time, especially recently. It's for those to seek their own knowledge and wisdom, for them to seek their own truth, whether they believe or not, but it's for them to go deeper into themselves. There is nothing to fear. All the dimensions are interwoven, interlinked but to be mindful of how they feel and what they are attracting back into their lives. That's all they have to be aware about. But to be open to the knowledge that there is more than what they see. And if they could spend a few moments at different times of the day to connect back to themselves, to have a greater understanding of who they are, they will connect more to there is more to life. And okay. she's back. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's like, I could see that it is like a, a council of wiser individuals who council just of are, elders. Yeah, that are just trying to transmit information. And it's just literally people like myself are just picking up on the frequency wave, like a radio station, we're tuning into it. So it's out there, but and individuals can have it. It's just you just gotta tune yourself in to receive the information. Yeah. And we got to bring you back just to do a whole channeling episode because that's, that would be, uh, I think that would be very helpful. I think love that. 
I think your guides would love that as well. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. Uh, what is your definition of living a fulfilled life? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Okay. I'd say, again, I feel it's to be present and to not to overthink or worry because sometimes we send our brain out too far ahead to worry about something that hasn't even happened yet. Yet, mm-hmm. So when we do that, our bodies actually, chemicals are going internally within your body. It's making you feel very stressed. You lose sense of reality, what really reality is. So we over worry. And I know that as a therapist, that some of my clients do that. The idea is just to keep bringing yourself back to now and to have fun. You know, children do it so well. We should watch children more. You know, they put the music on, they dance. And that's what I do. I do roller skating. I'm 54 and I can skate backwards and jump and everything. So it's about enjoying as much as you can about life to see the fun things and not to to get over consumed with like paying bills and worrying because that is not going to serve any purpose at all. It's about bringing yourself back to here and finding some fun, whether it's free music or friends to laugh. If you can jump into a time machine and go back in time mm. and talk to your younger self, what would you tell that little oh. girl? Oh my God. Get out of that relationship and pretty quick because he's a narcissist. <laughs> Because, young girl, young girl, baby. Oh, girl, yeah. younger. Oh, younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I met him when I was 19. If I could go back to my younger self when I was younger, I would say, do you know what? Everything that you're hearing, Anne, is because you're gifted and talented. And not to think that you're crazy or mad and that people don't understand you. If I could go back, I would say, you've got this. Just keep going with it. Very true. How do you define God? Ah, interesting. Interesting, considering I know all about those religions. Okay, so for me, um, I'd see it as the word God, but I would see it as the universe as one. Sure. It's an energy sure. as one. I wouldn't see it as this white man with this white beard. I wouldn't see that at all. And mm. it's a bit like, okay, thank you, they just said, because they reminded me. It's a bit like how we see uh, Christmas and Santa Claus. It's not necessarily Santa Claus that is Christmas. It's more about the joy and the, the giving and the receiving and being as one together. You know, you can't see that spirit. You can't see that that joy, but you all want to get home for Christmas or you want to be with your loved ones. It's that feeling. And same for me when I think of God, it's that feeling of being connected. It's being connected as one, as the universe. And whatever label you want to put on it, that's fine with me, but that's how I see it. It's one with the whole universe. Yeah. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Well, it's your soul growth to keep going around and recycling, not to keep going around, but to find the understanding. Okay, thank you. They're just talking about particles and now they're going into one. Okay, thank you. They just showed me, you know, like, I don't know if you've got these birds in your country, but when starlings fly together or when you get mm-hmm. birds that fly together, they're talking about that's the particles of the soul. So it's like everything in the universe moves like that. And then something sort of like, you know, where birds, sometimes they go off in a different direction. That's part of a soul that decides, okay, it's my turn. I'm coming in. I'm jumping in. It's my turn. I'm going to have a go at this. And it's about having fun, the purpose of life and living. It's about exploring. It's about the growth. These particles have an intelligence of their own. So they, it's about learning, absorbing. So it's just a recycle. It's a, someone said a recycle jobby, but it's a recycle of coming back and coming back and, and being as one with the planet. Okay, thank you. They, it needs to have that um, movement. It needs to have that to create the oceans and everything Kelsey said. Uh, and then someone just said, you are the noisy planet of the universe in the universe, the galaxy, Earth, because of how mm-hmm. humans are programmed with our brain. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. I don't know if that answered your question because I was in and out with them. You are fascinating, Anne. I love you. You're absolutely fascinating. Where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing? Oh, okay. Right. So I've developed a new platform now. So it's uh, Odyssey, the platform on Instagram. Please follow us. I have um, I sit with some of my new practitioners and coach them. So my coaches, my guides come forward to coach my practitioners who will work with individuals in helping them to work through whatever's going on in their life. So the website is www.odysseytheplatform.com. 
um, yeah, and just contact me through there and you'll find all my beautiful practitioners who are here to help. And do you have any parting messages for the audience? Yeah, don't take life so so hard on yourself and, you know, don't just stop judging yourself. Enjoy. Be easy on yourself. And it's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, to your guides, unexpected special guests. Uh, in they this just episode. said you're welcome. They're so rude. You're welcome. <laughs> we definitely have to have you back to do a, a whole channeling conversation. I think that'll be Love great. That. Uh, but I appreciate you and what you're trying to do for the world and helping everyone. So thank you so much. Thank my dear. And thank you. I want to thank Anne so much for coming on the show and sharing her story with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 313. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.